Ladies and gentlemen, Louis Anderson! Yeah, thanks. Thanks out there. So uh, I can't stay long. I'm in between meals. Um, but uh, I, I was I was buying clothes the other day at the uh, buying clothes store, and uh, and and well, let me tell you about my dad. He uh, he always told me that when you're buying clothes, you gotta you gotta get the really strong stuff, preferably in camo. He he seems to think that the war is just gonna come back any day, like uh, like the third axis is just gonna rise out of the ground. That. Uh, uh, and 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 um, and he was always going on about, uh, yeah, you know, you have to you have to fix the roof and and fix the fence and fix the car, and he never talked about fixing his waistline. <laughs> yeah, you call that comedy? Now Charlie Chaplin, there was a comedian, and he didn't talk at all. Who? Man. Who? Who? Who's that? Dad? Yeah, it's me. Dad, let me let me get this microphone. No, Dad, what what are you doing here, Dad? Oh, I just wanted to I just wanted to pay my son a visit and see how things are going in your life. Well, seems seems a little bit fancy for my taste. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the middle of something, Dad. Sorry, folks. I know, I know, but I just wanted to tell you, son, that I'm I'm really proud of how you turned out. Uh-oh. I mean, I couldn't be prouder if I, you. Landed on a grenade to save a bald eagle. Oh, well, thanks, Dad. I really appreciate that. How about that, folks? Yeah, I'll get, let you get back to your little clubhouse here. <laughs> your mother's making a turkey. I don't want her to set the house on fire again. <laughs> That's pretty good, Dad. Yeah, maybe we'll stay up here together and do the rest of the what do you call it? Uh, the the stand up deployment. Uh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's fine. Um, uh, my dad, everybody. The Anderson family, here till 20 hundred hours. Let me tell you about my family. Hey, here we go now. Bad time again. Let's take a look and see what's happening. Roller coaster ride, but no surprise. Let's clap with Louie, Louie, Louie. Clap with Louie. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> was it? I felt stupid. <laughs> I liked it. I, I thought it was a good concept. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm always pretty high concept, low execution. That's yeah, what I aim for. The, uh, <laughs> I mean, those voices will get you anywhere. Yeah, that's there's true. a lot of mileage in, in those. <laughs> Shall we uh, get into it? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, my name is Ben. And I'm Zane. And this is the Carton Cast. We review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. Yes, and this is the uh, Carton Cast Double XL. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to go with Life with the Carton Cast. <laughs> yeah, I actually just thought of that one now. I didn't have that one prepared. I completely <laughs> forgot. <laughs> that is okay. He has a, um, he has a joke. Um, I was listening to his stand-up, and he has a joke where he says, like, I was at the clothing store, and if I, um, if I added an X, uh, like another X onto my clothes, I would have the same number as the upcoming Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, or like uh, they would have to remove me from this from the store for being uh, explicit or something. <laughs> yeah, triple XL. Yep. <laughs> Um, we should probably mention that the comedian you're talking about is Louis Anderson. Yeah, when we when we talk <laughs> around the subject of our material, we're really talking around the subject of our material. <laughs> um, <laughs> and today we're talking around um, life with Louis, right? Which uh, Zane, tell tell me about life with Louis. Uh, so life with Louis ran on Fox from 1994 to 1998 uh, for a total of three seasons. It was mm-hmm. uh, produced by Fox Kids and Hyperion Studios, as well as Anderson's own company that I guess he made just for the show because it's, it's the only connection I could find uh, for that it's company. It's one of the it's one of the only th- works I've seen him uh, mentioned on or having a hand in mm-hmm. in Wikipedia. Yeah, so you know he, he it seems like he really put his heart into it. Yeah, uh, Louis Anderson himself was produced in 1953 <laughs> uh, and took prominence in the 80s as a comedian. And uh, after Life with Louis, he went on to be the third host of Family Feud. Uh, but aside from guest appearances on other shows, he's most known for his comedy and this show. Yeah, and and his his comedy is um you know it's it's not too uh it's too not too outlandish. It's very family oriented and yeah. pretty clean, um, it's... which I think sets it apart from a lot of budding comedians in this era yeah i was actually watching like a uh, how to learn how to do stand-up session with him mm-hmm. and uh he had mentioned that he used to do you know more uh blue collar humor and had it only later on once somebody said to him like you know if you just focus on the family stuff you're gonna be famous <laughs> and lo and behold joe schmo random guy from the theater was right because this is pretty much what he does what he did for a long time and uh he's of notable popularity, I would say. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, even I was vaguely aware of this show, but I had like heard of him and had never seen his stand up before. But yeah, he yeah, um, it's just like one of those names that you know. The the clean comedy is, I think, harder but more like if you can do it, then that, that it's a higher goal to achieve. I, I think it. I think that's definitely true, and the um. You know, the modern day stand up comedy goer mm-hmm. is certainly not, uh, it's not over, you know, clean material as a whole. Like, right. there's still a call for it as it, as evidenced by, like, Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. I guess. He, like, he, I kept on thinking Jim Gaffigan while looking at his stand up. Like, it was just so. It's very similar. Very, so self, similar, yeah. Very self deprecating. Hey, this is why I am the way I am. He's, he's got a story to tell. Um, but I he, think. Yeah, and he voices the other characters, which. Like, really well. I think Louis Anderson brings a sort of um, subtle humanity to the... Like, I don't think the show would have worked if it was, like, Life with Jerry Seinfeld kind of thing. Um, well, there's a there's an, there's an interesting subplot behind the show, which is Louis Anderson as, as an adult trying to re, rewrite his horrible uh, childhood. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that definitely adds adds a lot to my enjoyment of the yeah. show, at the very least. Uh, the show itself was uh, pretty critically acclaimed. It won two Emmy yeah. Awards for Best Performance in an uh, I, animated I think program. It won, I think it won five awards in all. Yeah, it was nominated for other Emmys, and it won three Humanitas Prizes, which is um, it's an award for programs that promote human dignity similar in stature to the nobel or the pulitzer now uh, which character would you say had dignity in life with louis (laughs) well i think uh, it's a very life-affirming love-affirming kind of show um Mm -hmm. 
And um, so life like, affirming, love affirming, hug affirming, lovable Louie. <laughs> I um, like that theme song a lot too. It's pretty good. They only used that theme song in the second and third seasons. In the first one, it was just him talking <laughs> briefly, <laughs> which I also liked a lot. Right? It's it's, it's odd. interesting in its own way. Um, yeah one of the uh, one of the episodes where th- that won a Humanitas Prize um, mm-hmm. was where his like his grandmother died. Uh, and, oh. and he, like, he didn't give her a thank you note for a sweater she gave him in time. Oh, nice. And so he's, like, going around to different religious leaders being like, where's my grandma? I need to get her this letter. I need to, <laughs> I, I, people tell me she's dead, but I don't know really where she is. And so he goes around to the different religious leaders and, like, you see, like, different religions doing it, like, talking about what they believe. Uh, <laughs> and, and when Louis asks a question, they're, they're, you know, very ethereal and wishy-washy and, and at the end of it, like, he knows so much about it. Like, somebody asked him, what do, you, what do you know about death? And he's like, well, typically in in many monotheistic societies, after you're dead, you go on to some kind of afterlife. But the Hindus and the Buddhists believe in reincarnation. Like, <laughs> yeah, all of these, I- really, all these ideas put through. a lot of information in these episodes. Yeah, all these ideas are put through the mind of an eight-year-old. And it's poignant because he learns all these things, but he just still doesn't know how to handle it emotionally. It's also poignant because he... He has the voice of like a fifty-year-old. Oh my god! It's so- <laughs> which, which, which combined with the fact that Louis is really, uh, you know, really has the affectation of mm-hmm. a grown-up. Like he talks as though he's a grown-up, and he makes jokes with his dad as though he's a grown-up. It's a very the fact that he's dealing with childish issues is. I think it allows you to be a little bit less, you know, protect children at all costs. Like you could probably see yeah. Louis getting hit. It's like, a very adult. A it's a very adult show. Um, it deals with a lot of dark and and real world problems. Um, yeah, but it's it's all viewed in like the most comical lens you can mm-hmm. you can have. Like the the thing you were just saying about going around to religious leaders because he because he didn't give his grandma a thank you gift. Yeah, uh, thank you note. You can imagine the same plot starting out in Doug, like an episode of Doug. <laughs> like Only I didn't get my grandma funnier. thank you note and. Now I don't know how to deal with it because she's gone. He would never go around to religious leaders who are just a little bit too eccentric to be believable. No, Louis has to a, trivialize the whole. Concept. Louis has a ton of initiative. <laughs> it's great. Uh, one of the religious leaders he goes to is um, just some hippie guy out on this porch with a sign that says <laughs> Church of Bob, and That's it's great. like, yeah, man, when you die, you go to Cleveland. Portland and he's he's like say what you will about the other religions at least we have an address (laughs) wow yeah that's quite the scathing criticism from our dear friend Bob yeah Um, but let's talk about the actual the actual let's talk about the show yeah so Louis Anderson is an obese eight year old in the early 60s yeah he's he's shaped like a beach ball like he's he's like that uh, that guy dad used to talk about um, uh, whom was as wide as he was tall, <laughs> and I never had like a, a picture to link to it. And now, oh, he's Louis Anderson as a kid. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and so he deals with his own childhood problems as well as like his dad, uh, like siphons a lot of his problems off onto Louis, and Louis has to deal with these adult issues. His father's a war veteran. Yeah. Um, yes, he is. But let's not talk about the uh, the characterization of him right. because I really want that to hit. But all it, in it, one it, giant punch. It's, it's part of it's part of the realistic and serious way the show handles things. Like in the very first episode, his dad loses his job. Like mm-hmm. this is a this is a seriously toned 
but it's also sort of a, a heartwarming look at a, a slice of Americana. Like, this is pure Oscar bait right here, if this was a movie. I disagree, actually. Really? I, I don't think it's very realistically toned. Like, the tales are realistic, but like I said before, like, he goes and visits a bunch of religious leaders who are nuts, mm-hmm. just a little bit. Like, the lens of this is very, very unrealistic. Yeah, and I but... I think that's so... I think that that is such that Louis Anderson, as, as an adult... Um, like he's recollecting how he framed his life back then, and it was with a comedic lens, so he could get through it. Yeah, uh, but at the same the time, of Louis Anderson is that he, you know, his parents were abusive. His dad was an alcoholic, and this is so much more comical than that. Oh yeah, and the problems are let. Well, the problems are realistic, but his, you know, the way he he and everybody else treats the problems are very unrealistic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like at the end of the episodes, like. There's a heart-to-heart with his mom, and the music swells up, and everybody feels good, and the audience claps. Like, Yeah, but they then go like a, little, a UFO I, will show up. <laughs> I think, you know, in between all the comedy, they kind of go out of their way to make this a, a feel-good, kind of, at least at the endings of each episode. I don't know. Which, again, might be unrealistic from Louis, pers- from Louis Anderson's perspective. Yeah, because in real life, <laughs> like, your problems aren't wrapped up in 22 minutes. Right, and his problems specifically were not wrapped up in a heartwarming context. Right. It was just like, eh, eat a cake, go to bed. Tomorrow might be better. Maybe not. Yeah, but what if life was where the problems were wrapped up like that? Yeah, what if life was with Louis? Um, Yes, it is a tale of maturation and growing up for Louis Anderson. I, you know, I was saying before, I kind of think they have the same focus as Doug, but with a less zany... Uh, cast yet mm-hmm. either like the cast is cast is less zany like they're not multicolored fiesta monstrosities with all different accents um but they somehow the cast despite not being zany is way less believable mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that just feeds into the whole uh you know i think this is louis anderson working through his childhood issues in the form of creating a cartoon yeah um yeah i don't know did you like this show i did I did, too. I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going <laughs> to. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch too many episodes, um, but it, it got a lot of... Um, there was a lot of charisma to it, mm. which is odd because Specific- it was really ugly. Specifically, yes. Specifically, Louis and his dad had a lot of charisma to it. Yeah, and they were they were both voiced by Louis Anderson himself. <laughs> so he's talking to himself for most of this show, which, again, if you're viewing this as a way he can work out his issues... Like, you can see him kind of being in a therapist's office and just being like, well, act act out a scene from your, you know, childhood. And he's like, hmm, I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian by trade who acts out his father's voice on stage, and I'm creating a TV show in which I do this. Right. Like, he's, this is one of the most visible ways to work through your problems. Yeah, he is just primed for therapy, <laughs> like, in every aspect of his life. Not to hate on Louis Anderson, like I actually really enjoyed his stand up. Yeah, um, did like um, He's, did you like the jokes or like in the um, when he was talking about how to make comedy? Did you in, like enjoy his philosophy of it, or did you just enjoy the jokes he did? I didn't mind the jokes. Jokes were okay. You know, they were pretty solid. Yeah, I think his his facial expressions really sold it. Mm-hmm. I actually you know? I watched some of the clips twice. Like I I was I had it on oh, in the man. I had it on in the background first and and was like playing a game or something and I wasn't really getting it and then I just watched it like paying attention to it and it was much better. <laughs> really? Mhm. Were you playing the Dark Souls DLC? Yes, cuz I was. Yes. Were you really? Mhm. Uh, let's just go off track for a second. Sunken Crown or uh, Iron 
old Iron King crown. The uh, Iron King. M- me too. Isn't it hard as balls? It's great. It's hard as steel balls. The steeliest of balls. Have you <laughs> run into uh, the repeat boss again yet? I haven't run into bosses yet. Oh, gee, um, you're going to hate it. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Um, yeah, I guess let's talk about the characters. Sure. So, Louis Anderson, essentially, <laughs> just kind of all throughout the entire show. Yeah, There's different like different aspects. facets of his personality and his upbringing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean a, he's a typical kid. You know, he, he worries about what's going on. He's kind of uh, on the outs with other people. He's fat. He's ugly. Again, what are you going to do? Uh, again, like just like the rest of the show, has realistic problems but a really unrealistic setting. Louis as a character is sort of a realistic... He has realistic problems, but his setting is, you know, the deepest voice you can imagine, whom is... It has an even deeper voice than... Louis Anderson as an adult, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder whether or not they have, like, the Andersons just, like, hit reverse puberty. <laughs> like, when they get 13, their beards get sucked back into their face, and, like, they shrink, like, you know, steadily throughout the rest of their adulthood, and their voice just gets way higher. <laughs> but um, he, you know, he has a way deeper voice, and he's very witty. Like mm-hmm. he's not that smart, but he's witty. Like he'll he'll always have a comeback. Yeah, which and I yeah, think that was it's just an unrealistic characterization of anybody that age. Which you know, one of the odd things I noticed about this show is when the characters make like a witty comeback. You know, in other shows it would be like, yeah, and that would be in your autobiography. Ha ha ha. No, they like they say it the way most people do a witty comeback. It's under the breath, like yeah, they, they're not drawing attention to <laughs> it. They're hiding it. Like I had to listen to a couple, like go back and listen a couple times to a line to be like, oh, that's what he's saying. Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, but uh, his dad always hears that. Yeah, so <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> so you know, can't get away with nothing. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about Louis in general. He um, like. I just he's, like he's that he what the has... story is framed around that allows him to showcase mm-hmm. his life as a kid. But... I I just like that he has initiative. You know, he's got problems, and then he's like, "Oh, I wonder how I can fix this." And it's not like he has anything better to do. He doesn't ever seem to be like doing homework or playing with his friends or just he's, yeah, he's, it, he's helping I mean, out. It, yeah, if he has a problem, he solves it and checks out the beat while the DJ revolves it. Nice, but uh, nice. yes, <laughs> um, he he. He has initiative in the way in a way that his parents do not. Mm-hmm. Um, like his dad does have initiative, but it's never practical. Uh, like he'll try to fix a clearly dead car, or he'll like spend an entire week making a launch pad so that uh, aliens can come to his backyard. Hmm. I didn't whereas, see that one. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Louis Anderson, you know, little kid Louis. He'll just be like, eh, we have to make a, you know, a, a project for school. I'm going to go get supplies at the store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, he gets stuff done. He's walking around, eight years old. practical about it. Hanging out. Yeah. It's, he's, it's, he's a pretty prolific kid. It's a small town environment, so it's like everybody knows each other. So it, Cedar it's, Knoll. It's fine that he's, like, just walking around on his own, but I don't know. It was, um, so the show is set in the early 60s or like late 50s so it's it's um i don't know how did you feel about this setting um i don't know i i didn't really pay too much attention what were your thoughts there were i mean 
it wasn't just suburbia in most modern times like 10 years back suburbia i guess yeah well it was it was very suburban but you notice like the tv is old-fashioned and the dad always talks about the war and you're like which war oh geez world war ii Oh yeah, um, <laughs> forgot about that. Like his his mom and dad sleep in separate single beds. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, that's true. It, it's it's got this sort of vibe throughout, but it does. I, I think it comes out most in the fact that everyone's kind of on the same side. You know, this is at the tail end of McCarthyism when people started trusting each other again. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like everyone was, I guess baby booming up everywhere oh geez just yeah. a lot of just a lot of peace and love etc and i guess we hadn't gotten quite into vietnam era again or else louis's dad would not have featured in this right he'd be off um you know faking his way through the military yeah <laughs> yeah single-handedly assassinating all the charlies and you know <laughs> becoming really bringing an end to the war himself up to and including um, charlie chaplin yes He's had it too good for too long. <laughs> uh, but, um, I mean, this is a depiction of Louis Anderson's childhood. He wouldn't have as much... Like, it wouldn't fit in a modern setting, because right. he, you know, as the creator of the show, he's bringing a lot of his childhood to it. A lot of that is going to be very reliant on the era. Yeah, I think that retrospective is very useful. Um, you see it sometimes in live for therapy. Action. Uh, for therapy, <laughs> you see it sometimes in live action shows like uh, that '70s show or like Happy Days, where you you set it in an earlier era. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. it if if it happens that much in animated uh, shows, but it it's useful because you know you know how these things turn out, you know. So like um, that's true. Like when uh, uh, in one episode when a black family moves next door, like it's not <laughs> even a thing that they're black, even though at the time I'm sure it would have been. I'm sure Andy would have had some problems with it. Right. Um, no, the biggest problem is that he has is that he, uh, the, the dude's a pathologist and is a vegetarian. Yeah, he's like way richer than him. <laughs> Just constantly being jealous about his stuff. Right. So, you know, with that retrospective lens, you can say, okay, if this if we made this show in the 60s, this would probably be like several episodes worth of plot, <laughs> but because we know that we don't want to be on the wrong side of history, we're just going to kind of gloss over it. Yeah, I, I hadn't uh, I hadn't thought about that at, in in those ways, but uh, it's pretty apt. Mm. the The episodes seem like they go on a long time. Yeah, to me, I feel like they're like I feel like they're being filmed over the course of a week. Like there's just like a lot of different segments to each episode. Like a lot of different things happen. They go to a lot of different places. They don't spend like three minutes in the same setting. Yeah, it's like thirty seconds of setting and then a different scene. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. That, that that comes along with the dynamicism of the of the main characters. They're they don't let things just kind of stew. They go out and fix the problem. Yeah, which is refreshing. Um, it's refreshing to speaking see. about people whom go out and fix the problem. <laughs> the problem being, you know, Hitler. Uh, and when, when he's got a problem, he'll solve it. Yeah. We've been over this. <laughs> for for America. Yeah. Uh, the dad is amazing. Yes. Andy Anderson. Louis' he dad. He's the best straw man war veteran dad <laughs> I've ever seen. Typical manly man, doesn't talk about his feelings. You know, uh, he, he hates other people, but he loves burgers. Kind of yeah. goes to the hardware store. Like, 
He's like a Walter Sobchak from The Big Lebowski, yeah. where everything he does is just related back to Nam. <laughs> like, he's giving a eulogy for his friend and just starts talking about all the good men they lost. Um, and he'll talk like, in war metaphors yeah. constantly. Like, if he's out of towels, he'll say something like, we're out of supplies again. Yeah. <laughs> Attack! Hit the deck! <laughs> They're in the trees! <laughs> he's got a lot of and, therapy baggage as well, but... Yeah, like, you really do get the impression that he might actually be shell-shocked. Yeah. <laughs> like, if someone sneaks up on him, he'll, like, over-exaggeratedly react. He's walking on pins and needles here. Like, don't take him to a war movie. No, no. Could be, could be horrifying. He, um, he, he sometimes goes on, he, like, he tells Louis about his war stories. Like, he's trying to, like, Louis asks, Dad, what's, uh, what should I do in this situation? Well, let me tell you something. Like, okay, first off, <laughs> these have got to be the easiest voices to copy in any show we've done yet. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, he'll, he'll tell Louis hmm. about uh, about the war thing, and and he'll start off kind of yeah. So there was it was me and my platoon, and we had to storm this place, and then boom, fighter jets came out of nowhere, and boom, napalm from the skies, and just like goes yeah, so you very over quickly the top. Learn <laughs> not to believe anything he says, and it ends up not like, even being related to what he's trying to like teach louis <laughs> he just gets caught up in his war stories and then like kind of wanders off talk like mum- mumbling under his breath well I'll, I'll i'll talk i'll talk more about it later but uh you know that might be a facet of actual louis anderson doing stand-up about his dad like he probably was not this nuts no but, but like it seems like this like this character was ripped right out of his stand-up yeah you know, I, I would not out so. of his childhood, out of his stand-up specifically. Yeah. And I'll talk more about that later. Um, yeah, the, the degree to which he blames everybody else for everything is pretty comical. Like, he doesn't accept any faults within himself until maybe the end of an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, a lot of the times he's just blaming Louis specifically. <laughs> that, that, that that dynamic is the most fun. Um, he's, yeah, he, he like... Louis will get sick, and his head will be all big and red, and the dad will walk in and be like, what did you do to your head? <laughs> what yeah. did I do to it? Yeah. And uh, I think this would be harder to do with, it, like, the whole show, because so much of it is giving shit to Louis. I think it would be harder to do with a child actor. So, I, But because it's voiced by Louis Anderson, I think it can get away with it. I think one of the reasons it works is because so much of Anderson's stand-up is this sort of self-deprecating... Um, aspect like he said um in that uh like teaching how to tell jokes um Mm. he said you know you have to find your point of view and his point of view was i I want everyone to love each other and um he knew that if he disarmed the audience by making fun of how fat he was it would work to his advantage (laughs) i feel like he is not the first comic who has come up with that uh, (laughs) that tactic (laughs) yeah i I generally find the whole fat joke thing a little bit like even you know this is like an n-word fallacy like because it's them it's okay for them to say it stuff about <laughs> like uh, or like the Jer- jerry seinfeld like telling jewish jokes yeah but you're only allowed to do it if you're actually jewish yeah um for some reason i find that uh i mean on top of being hypocritical i just dislike seeing it i think it's just very cheap mm-hmm. as a source of humor I, and, uh, I it, it might be cheap. I read an etiquette book once, um, cover to cover, actually, for some reason. Was it one that mom got you? Yes. Um, I, because we were, like, 
terrible. Not well socially adjusted for about 15 years. Well, she was wrong on a couple of things, and I had to correct her. <laughs> really? Like, um, the elbows on the table thing only applies if you're eating soup. Yeah, and only with the Viscount. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, only if the Viscount is visiting. The Viscount and the Archduke. Got and in, the Daimyo. If, if those three got into a fight, who would win? Oh, the Viscount. <laughs> Are you kidding? Because he's secretly a vampire. Um, yeah. <laughs> For those of you out there listening, this is not an in-joke. We're literally making things up. <laughs> uh, well, if he had yellow eyes, he'd be a werewolf. Okay, now that now was an in-joke. An in -joke. Now um, it's an in-joke. You're welcome. Uh, Taylor Taylor, making our episodes so that only we are able to listen to them. <laughs> this is some quality podcasting. This is different all being, um, being But anyway, in this, in this etiquette book, mm. it, uh, it said... You are allowed to tell joke like if you're stand up or, or telling jokes, you're allowed to tell a joke about a specific group of people if one of the following three things are true. One, if you yourself are a member of that group. Two, if nobody present is a member of that group. Or three, and I thought this was really weird, if every single other person is a member of that group. So wait, a, if only one of those is applicable? If, if any of those or all. So if you're a white guy and you start telling black guy jokes to a just a crowd entirely made up of black guys, entirely composed of black people, it might not be a good idea. However, it is apparently, according to the etiquette book, fine. I think at that point it's only fine because you're becoming the joke. I like, it, look at this cracker it, doing his cracker thing. If you have being, the, if you have being the charisma, intimidated by our skin, if you have the charisma to get away with that, I don't know. <laughs> I do not. Yeah. Maybe that's like the the stand up comedian gauntlet. Like you have to tell <laughs> like stereotype jokes to a room full of that stereotype and sell it, and then you're allowed to be in like the guild. It's a Bruce Willis diehard situation. <laughs> it's exactly like Bruce Willis. Thank you for bringing him into, into the mix <laughs> in that in that third movie where he has to do that. <laughs> I didn't watch it, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to watch that. Um, but it sounds horrible. Um, but yeah, getting back to uh, but uh, getting back to the dad. Well, actually, well before that, um, uh, like we're we're in nested loops right now, and I can't remember which you know. Well, another part uh, of iteration we're on. Another part of uh, Louis' stand-up is he believes that comedy is two ways, and you can't like practice your way into being good. You have to perform in front of people and have that audience reaction, which I thought was really interesting because that's the like the opposite of animation because in animated series you have to come up with the entire new episode months in advance of airing it oh yeah totally um I, but i i thought it was just more of an allegory of you have to work at something to know how to do it like yeah. you can't go in with it you can't go into something that you need to practice um with an idea of what you need to get out of it you just need to practice and right. you'll just get better as a result. Which well, practice... It's a very simplistic way of saying practice makes perfect. But practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Think so? Yeah. Um, practice makes better, I would say, I, as long as you're getting criticism. Well, yeah. Um, but, like... Y and, you, you know, stand-up comedians, uh, by and large, are very self-critical. Yeah. Which um, is why they have a comedic lens through the first place, because otherwise, how would they deal with their own lives? So Robin Williams. Um, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Topical. Let's do it. <laughs> it, it do you think... I, I mean, Louis is clearly dealing... He faked his own death? Probably. <laughs> Louis is clearly <laughs> dealing with like his personal issues through his comedy. 
Do you think mm. that like surely all comics do that? Like there's a, there's a well documented spread of of mental illness in comedians and in artists in general. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you think like the ones that that end up not going so great, um, like committing suicide or anything like that, um, like didn't make fun of themselves enough? I don't know. Uh, well, first of all, we are no longer talking about Rob Williams. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I, I think you, you intended to jump in there with, uh, the idea that, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to cast aspersions on to the late Robin Williams with any sort of, uh, intent onto figuring out how sick he actually was mm-hmm. or what have you. Um, and I, for, I forgot what we were talking about. This is getting spicy. <laughs> Uh yeah, I'm sorry. We're we're recording this like way earlier than we normally do, <laughs> which like two. Yeah, so <laughs> we're just a little bit we're we're a little bit slow on the uptake. Um, do you mind if I take us out of our nested loops and get back to the show? Yeah, tell me about uh, tell me about Andy. Yeah, so um, let's see. Uh, yeah, the like I said, um, I think it's harder for. The degree to which he blames everything around him is pretty great, and the degree to which he embellishes all of his stories is pretty great. Like, I just mm-hmm. really like the character. Yeah. And it's a character that a stand-up comedian has been, you know, refining over his entire career. Yeah. This isn't a character made for this show. He's well-crafted and very consistent. Yeah. He's slow-cooked. To put it in the, you know, themes of this show. Delicious. Like, you leave them in the crock pot overnight. This isn't a ham sandwich we're making here. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, just everything he says is its own stand-up joke. <laughs> and it's really good. Yeah. Like, like his exaggerations are great. His exaggerations, like, when we were stationed in Siberia, I was fighting with bears for money. Five mm. rubles for bear's skin. And I was earning 25 rubles a day. Like, <laughs> like, just, there's not really a joke there. It's just, that is too unbelievable. I was with Entirely you with wrong. fighting bears for money, but Jesus. Um, uh, and just the, the way he links everything back to World War II is really endearing. Just mm-hmm. because it... it it leads you to believe that this is a character no longer relevant to the to society. That like society has just kind of forgotten about him. And oh they yeah, don't care about him anymore, and he's trying to make himself relevant still. Yeah. And if it was a less comical character, it would actually be really sad. But he's got that stupid chest gut. Mm. And he's got that <laughs> awfully high whiny voice, and he's constantly blaming his whole family. So you just kind of like, yeah, I guess it is like, kind of comedic. And even even if he was going to say something like sorrowful and poignant, it would just come out, you know, in that muttering voice he does. Yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing with my life anymore. Just get me behind the barracks again, and then I'll show you how I dance. Uh, <laughs> like, I just gotta pretty- get back into another war. <laughs> <laughs> that is not his voice. No, uh, that that is his speech style, but it is not his voice. Um, yeah, I I really love this dad. Like, this is a great character, and which is which is good because because he is probably the the main focus. Like, he drives a lot of the plot lines. Yeah, he's more. He's I would say he's more of the focus than Louis in this I don't show. Think he's more of the focus, but he's definitely more of a chief player for the for the story. Mm-hmm. Like, he has more to do with the plot. Um, general plot maker show yeah 
general plot maker right behind general specific but all of his badges are shaped like uh war battles actually yeah first first viscount in charge of nostalgic war stories too many too many three 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 in jokes in the same joke too many um we, we can't do it yeah i just I hadn't uh I hadn't appreciate how finely crafted this character was until I yeah, I didn't realize it until we were talking about it, how he's really just crafted this character throughout like twenty years of stand up yeah. and not just for this show. And it is really obvious um how how just intriguing he is to listen to. Like mm-hmm. he's being finely crafted such that Louis can make a joke about him. And then we have a joke well, then we have a show in which Louis is making jokes about his dad. Like, of course it's going, of course it's going to be a well-cemented dynamic. That's actually very, <laughs> like he's been doing this his whole life. <laughs> um, to that effect, uh, I also like Louis's mom. Uh-huh. It's fun. It's fun to watch her interactions with Andy just because it quickly becomes unfathomable how she puts up with him. Yeah. Um, well, they're, they're the stereotypical fifties and sixties husband and wife team. Mm-hmm. She, you know, over she yes. she cooks so much, and and Louis in his stand up says that you know this was her way of of showing her love for the family is is by food, and probably also her way of kind of ignoring her husband's more undesirable tendencies. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's in a rage and punching a wall. Uh, time to make brownies, you know. Yeah, and she's got that stereotypical Midwestern wife voice. And hair, yep. Yep. She's uh, she's got a real don't you know to it. Yeah. I, I, I like her. I like whenever she talks. She only talks about food. Uh, the dad only talks about war. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, by all accounts, Louis should have t- grown up into some, like, battlefield gourmet or something. But uh, stand-up is, is fine as well. Is that a Final Fantasy character? <laughs> battlefield gourmet? Yeah. It's, it sounds like a w, uh, kids' WB like, <laughs> Saturday morning show. Fighting foodons. That, exactly. Thank you. They did make a show about that. <laughs> I know. Is that our next show? <laughs> no, but I should mention that I was uh, it, I was mulling it over for a spite cast and then decided to ham taro because I, I needed the breather. Appreciate it. I appreciated it too. <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to torture myself. Yeah. Um, um, and so they, yeah. the, the mom and dad, so they say they have like 10 kids, but they only, 11, 11 kids, but they only show Louie and, and Tommy, his younger yeah, brother. Yeah, which I think is, again, how Louis sort of saw mm-hmm. everyone, like, sure. he, he recognized his parents, his brothers and sisters were always running out the door for some reason, in the first season at least, you can see these headless figures, like, the, they do a cow and chicken moment where they just like show the bodies of the people running out the door. They don't show the heads. <laughs> like it just doesn't pan up that far on the screen. And uh, that might just be how Louis thought of him when he was a kid. Yeah. Like I, I was expecting to try to pick apart the ways in which this was not Louis Anderson's childhood, but it's characterized very closely to what a child would uh, would see around him. Um, to to talk a little bit more about the mom, uh, it's. Well, no, you know what? I think I'm done with the mom. Well, she's voiced uh, by Edie McClurg, who also does oh. uh, Violet Stimbleton on Rocket Power. That's what it was. Yeah. I'm... I was trying to think of what other 
like I'm pretty sure she just has the one voice because I've heard this voice everywhere. <laughs> yeah, what other doting wife does this remind me of? Um, have you ever seen Fargo? Uh, I have not. The uh, the cop in that has a real you know don't you know sort of accent to it, and I was just reminded of that the entire time. Hmm. However, Fargo is about violent murder, so it was a little bit incongruous with this show, and I didn't take it any further. Did Fargo have an animated series? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> the Jay and Silent Bob show? Something like that? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, do you have anything else to say about the characters? Um, No, not particularly. Mm. I, I will just reiterate that some of the characters are just a bit too eccentric to be believable. Mm-hmm. Um. Which, you know, is just a characterization of how Louis has had to view them over the years to make them agreeable to his psyche, mm. I guess. Um, but it's also interesting that everybody around those characters treats the characters as totally normal. Like, right. everyone takes Andy in stride. Yeah. Which is in- an incredibly, like, monastic feat. <laughs> Uh, well, everyone in the in the town is is very nice, very understanding. They band together. It's it's an ideal small town. Again, probably yeah. just a lens of what he saw. And I guess it just like you know when maybe when you, it just when has an a... abnormally high population of weirdos. So everyone's just kind of used to the doctor that is so into sports that he'll leave during his <laughs> you know, medical sessions to go to to make his tea time. Yeah, like <laughs> pretty nuts. And everyone just goes along with it. Hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. The, the, the characters in the, uh, and Louis, the character, and the real life character that is Louis Anderson are very deeply entwined, which is why the story just revolves around him sort of exploring these dynamics as he grows up. Mm-hmm. Which I guess let's talk about how the tone and genre in this, uh, in the show are. Yeah, quite a, you know, we're we're talking about the comedic aspects and and looking back at this from uh, an adult's view of his childhood and the dad's crazy and the mom's crazy and everyone's crazy and it's funny. It's yeah. a really serious show. Yeah, I mean the like the, again the, the problems the subject are matter. serious. Yeah, the, 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 the subject matter is serious. The way the characters deal with it is not right, which is great it's it's that is wonderful it's an interesting approach i'm not sure where else i would have seen it yeah i again i can't help but think that it's just a, a facet of how louis anderson saw the world either at the time or through the lens of a stand-up comedian um i do like it hmm. I, I don't think it's wrong like it, again it's unrealistic but it's a cartoon so whatever yeah i mean you can kind of see the stand-up humor in the in everyone's characterizations, like they're overblown for the sake of the joke, and it's not too far of a too far of a stretch. Yeah, they are they are a bit one dimensional, um, a little bit, and a little bit too just just a little bit more witty and interesting than uh, a normal person would be. Not everyone. Most of the kids are wittier than you'd expect. Most of the kids are jerks. I like the kids. Mm. I think I, I think I like them a lot. I like Louis. I like all of Louis's friends. Uh, they kind of ran together for me. What's that one? What's that one friend of his? Bootstain or something? I have no idea. The only time I really noticed when, them Hawker. was when they were making fun of him. So I just kind of assumed they were all terrible people. No, he's got a couple of friends. There's there's a there's a fun one with a re- really fun voice. I guess just 
nice to listen to. Hmm. It comes in later seasons. Did you listen only to the first season stuff? No, I um, I actually didn't have a huge amount of time to watch different episodes, so I watched the first episode and then those three episodes that got um, those humanitarian awards. So I might have a hmm. skewed idea of what the typical episode is like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, the typical episode is, you know, fairly ridiculous. I, I like the humor, though. Like, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Like, not through and through, but, you know, it's kind of a uh, sheep in the big city thing where, like, whenever they're not specifically making, atten- drawing attention to a joke or setting up a scene just to tell a joke, like, if Louis's doing a flashback for the sake of, like, a pun, it's pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. But whenever Louis's just talking to his dad or either one of them is talking to someone else and just watching the characters be completely re- unrealistic... That's pretty fun. They have a great dynamic. Um, yeah. I wish they had it out uh, growing up, but I'm sure it wasn't nearly so genial and um, razzmatazz. Well, yeah. Very, very... That's just my placeholder for... Think of a better word, Ben. Very few of us have the luxury of planning out our conversations ahead of time and being able to control <laughs> what the other person says and how they say it. Yeah, and we have that luxury because you're listening to a podcast, and we still don't take it. <laughs> We're not recognizing our right to remain silent at all. We, If we had the time and energy, we could make this really good, I'm sure, <laughs> through the magic <laughs> yeah. of editing and plan things. We could have scripted this whole thing, but that'd be <laughs> Guys, so pointless. Guys, listen. This could have been great. <laughs> you could have really enjoyed listening to this. Uh. <laughs> what, a, what a magical world that would be. Life with podcast. Um, one interesting thing I think about the tone Mm -hmm. is that, you know, the fact that it's unrealistic and reflects a stand-up thing, I think this, I think the cartoon actually allows him to make some jokes, like the, the fact that it's animated Mm -hmm. allows him to make some jokes which would not be possible to make on the stage. Like what? Like, uh, for example, like, uh, Louis' dad gets a bee colony (laughs) because he wants... Okay. To make money by like selling the honey so that he can buy a better RV. Wants to than make the, 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 the money the by selling all the honey. Wouldn't <laughs> it be funny? It's life, Louie. Uh, <laughs> sorry. You know, the Crash Test Dummies should have done the theme song. Oh, <laughs> that'd be quite different. It's life, um. Yeah. And so Louis' dad gets a bee colony and trains them to do tricks. What? By using a whip like a lion tamer. Up to that point, like you could make it work as a stand-up. Sure. And then he then he cracks the whip and gets them to spell his name. Okay. But they spell it with two e's, and he says it's with a y, and <laughs> keeps cracking the whip. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way you could adapt that to work on a stand-up. So no, I think it's this, too unbelievable. I think the show might have actually been somewhat of an outlet for him to use the jokes that were a little bit too bonkers <laughs> in a stand-up setting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> At a yeah. What if a stand-up comedian tried to do that? Like, um, like went off. Do are there comics that do that? That go off on these stories that clearly can't be true, and but and but say it in like. Oh, yeah, you know how it was growing up. Dad always keeping bees, doing the lion tamer thing again. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Up top. I'm I'm sure it happens. Like, I can't pick apart. I'm 
I, I don't remember stand-up comedy sessions so precisely no. that I have a codex of them in my mind that I can just call to. Like, I don't have it on a database. Can't just search for it, but I'm sure I've seen it many, many times. Is there a comedy database where you can search things up by topic? Or by joke? Yeah, that'd be great. Like, if you remember hearing a joke somewhere and just need to figure out who it was so you can sta- watch their whole stand-up? Why isn't that a thing, Zane? I don't know. Let's get on that. Yeah, get on it. Get on it, uh, podcaster, grad student. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You got free time. Just crowdsource it. Just get crowdsource a, it to my whole department. Get a, get a Kickstarter going. It, tell, tell your department this is how we get funding. Professor Smith, listen, I got a grant idea. <laughs> We're going to make a database where you can look up your favorite uh, stand-up comedians by the jokes they tell. In case you forgot how Google works and don't want to bother trying to just type the joke into Google. And therefore, we'll easily get the joke back. That's pretty funny. I, I don't like the I don't mind the idea of uh, searching for jokes by topic. Yeah. Like, I'm really into bee humor, you know? Like, I want to I wanna search out everything with bees or else i'm gonna break out in hives just you know get a just a big list of them or like if you needed uh if you needed a bunch of jokes for like a a community event like you know uh revenge of the clams or for like a clam bake or something you just needed to like get a bunch of different clam jokes i've i've entirely lost track of what you're talking about (laughs) revenge (laughs) of the clams i don't know (laughs) i was trying to think of what a clam bake would be like called trying to make it a pun i would absolutely and i didn't try very hard i would absolutely i would not be surprised at all if life with louis had an episode titled revenge of the clams no they're all pretty punny i like them did you watch uh i was born a rambler man no where he talks about uh how his dad loved the ram his car like the rambler oh yeah he called it the rambler yeah the rambler (laughs) it's a classic Man, that voice is fun to do. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, Louis Anderson became a stand-up comedian because he knew it would afford him the opportunity to get paid for doing that voice. Oh, geez. That's the dream. <laughs> That's the American dream right there. <laughs> Louis, you really have to vent your, you really have to vent your inner issues. Uh, you know, it, it, sometimes it helps to have a sounding board. I hear what you're saying. How would you like it? How would it, <laughs> would it help me more if I had about 800 sounding boards all at once? <laughs> Uh, yep. Jump into animation. Let's, you want to jump into animation? Yeah. yeah let's talk about because these characters have a very interesting look. Yes, they are disgustingly proportioned. Um, it's an interesting animation choice. What do you think about it? So i I like it. I think it does a lot to add characterization to them, and and um, you know, it's it's like Louis said in his standup: if you can disarm the audience by you know, putting yourself down, then you're already one step further to building that connection with them and making them laugh. Oh, so he just makes himself ugly as sin. And they go out of their way in the show to round. make them ugly. I was looking, aside from their outlines, any strong lines that are added to make, like, to add definition to the characters are only used to make the characters uglier. There, yeah, there's it gives... extra chins, wrinkles, cowlicks, belly folds. Louis got this awesome, like, crow magnon forehead. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's really good. He's got wrinkles like take when a, no eight-year-old kid should. You, you could, like, take a family vacation to drive down and visit, like, Louie's forehead. <laughs> you know? Um, come come see. Wish you were here. Louie's forehead. And, that, the, like, the kids who aren't in Louie's family look so much thinner and more attractive. They almost look like they belong in a different show. Yeah? 
I thought so. Like that one, like really thin kid who keeps making fun of him and has the most annoying voice voice in the world. <laughs> Just uh, he doesn't look real. <laughs> Bull nerd is Bull nerd is sort of in the show as well. Oh yeah. Like pretty much like just copy paste. Oh it. yeah, that jerk face. Yeah, he's real yeah. ugly too. Yeah, <laughs> not just the lines, but the um, but the colors. Everything is like brown, beige, and yellow, except for like green grass. I didn't notice about that. I wanted to say something about the character proportions, though. Oh yeah, um, which is just just like to really wrap up this whole idea that he is attempting through this cartoon to make everything a little bit off kilter here's my thoughts on it it perhaps helps desensitize us to the jokes that he's making about his childhood by drawing this distinction from reality Mm -hmm. so he'll embellish character traits he'll draw all the he'll have all these characters drawn in this ridiculous manner that no person would be drawn now he's able to make jokes about how his dad was like an abusive father at their expense at their expense and he's also putting enough of a physical and ideological barrier between his tragic childhood and this cartoon that it just you, mm-hmm. you can't break through to the tragedy to it you know that's interesting um i think it's what he probably did to be able to deal with his abusive parents just kind of like make just monsterize them a little bit <laughs> um yeah and just so he could deal with them on an abstract level rather than a realistic one that's um that's interesting i mean usually in a in animation you make the characters more cartoony and you want the audience to relate to them and here they just said no no this is we want them to not be as sympathetic we want to be able to make fun of them and not feel bad about it i mean there's some relatability like they oh they sure. psa it up at the end and they're always like hugging they hug it out or whatever yeah it's but it's, a it's very... not enough such that you can engage yourself with them as though they are real people right it's a unique way uh for them to display love they like they they give each other love but it's not like they're not having the same you feel like it's a different level of emotion than what you have when you're showing love for your family um yeah it's a little bit more surface. Yeah, it's like it's like they're like in a zoo. A little bit. You're you're, look, you're looking into the cage much... at this odd Cro-Magnon family. Yeah, <laughs> this this family what is like one step down the evolutionary ladder, <laughs> just through and through. With incredible which is shapes. Probably. Yeah, I mean, Andy sort of does look like a gorilla. Yeah, He's a little, got a little bit of a hunch and that chest gut, which is incredible. <laughs> when he doesn't look like a potato. I really love that chest gut. It's like it looks like it'd be so hard to get up in the morning. Yeah, like just have to redistribute your mass. Yeah, his sense of balance <laughs> must be awful. Uh. All the characters are also much more benign than his actual family. Yeah, you know, um, and I I think this probably was a conscious effort on the part of Louis Anderson to replace his memories of his family with much more surreal and innocent ones. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's it's a little bit to help the audience not feel bad as well. Yeah. That, that's that's my synopsis for the entire show, essentially. I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, it was really weighing me down. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll carry that weight. Yeah. Boy, you're going to carry that weight a long time, though. Because we're not even into music yet. Uh, what else do you have to say about animation? Uh, that was about it. Um, yeah, not not much else for... For animation. Like I was saying before, I think it's the visual animation that allows him to make some of the jokes that wouldn't work in stand-up. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, the dad makes a couple of jokes while he's working on a fridge. 
and uh, we're led to believe that that is the joke. Like, you know, that he's working under a fridge, and we're led to believe that him talking to Louie about, what do you think I'm doing? I'm looking for mustard. I'm fixing it, duh. Or Mm -hmm. whatever. He wouldn't say duh, but... Sure. You know, we're led to believe that that is the joke, and then Louie opens the fridge door and looks down at him, and he's just eating a huge sandwich while lying down with the fridge on top of him. What? (laughs) It makes no sense. He's like, I was hungry. Wow. Like, yeah, but you would have to specifically have made that sandwich beforehand, gr- like crawl under the fridge to start fixing it and then pull out the sandwich. That's incredible. And they don't draw any attention to it other than like they pan to it and be like, you're eating a, you're eating a grinder or something. <laughs> it's just, yeah, like a, a joke that you could not make for stand-up. And yeah, the visuals really, it's, it's interesting to see how... The visuals help a stand-up comedy routine. It's not something that happens often, I feel like. Yeah. You know, that you had that, uh, you remember that show, like, Shorties Watching Shorties? No. Like, it is Comedy Cent- Central show. It was pretty bad, because it was, like, about these two babies watching cartoons of stand-up comedy, essentially. That sounds terrible. But stand-up comedy was, well, the stand-up comedy was good. Yeah. And it was all animated. So, like, they were actually put in the scenes in which the stand-up comedian is talking about. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it added a lot to it. Hmm. You know, you could see the stand-up comedian in this environment. There's one for, like, Little Tortilla Boy by uh, Paulo, uh, shoot, I don't remember his name. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to look it up real quick. Say something about something. <laughs> uh, was the animation good in this show? I think it was very good. Oh, so that doesn't sound too bad. The premise is like just animate the oh, stand-up. Oh, in, in the shorties versus, or in the shorties watching shorties. Yeah, thing. yeah. Because if the animation was good, then they could just take out the like babies watching it and just just animate a stand-up routine. I'd watch that. Yeah, that would be great. Um, it's called The Little Tortilla Boy by Pablo Francisco. Hmm. Pablo Francisco is pretty good. Okay. Yeah, and it's got like this ridiculous uh it's got this ridiculous uh, the animation's okay i think it's just the fact that we're getting visuals for something that it has in the past been strictly uh audio mm-hmm. it the audio works on its own but the, the visuals add a little bit to it i mean there's something to say for like seeing the comedian actually it's it's like talk to the audience and you're losing that it's like being in a concert hall you know you, if you go to a concert hall and it, it's a purely auditory experience, but if you close your eyes, people are going to think like you're doing it wrong. Maybe so. Yeah, you you might be right there. All I know is I feel really weird if I close my eyes in a concert hall and I feel people are judging me. I can definitely feel as though... I, I can definitely think that some people would not like the Shorties watching Shorties show because, you know, they do not like cartoons as much as they like that theatrical experience. And if you are not listening to the stand-up comedian actually doing it you're doing it wrong mm-hmm. but i mean like we're we're pretty heavily biased in favor of animation so it's it's not a question that we can answer yeah <laughs> um yeah one other thing about uh animation is just it seems that whenever they don't know what to do with louis they just draw him eating <laughs> like it's it's it almost feels as though the animators have like an addiction displacement that they're working out in the cartoon. Nice. Like you know they they want to go for a cigarette, but they they're just like oh, just have Louis go eat a cookie again. <laughs> like they know Louis should be doing something else, but he just keeps going back to the cookie jar. Yeah. 
It's just, I like that. You know, it, it's a fun. It's a fun little marriage with real with his real life. Because that that um, is how it works when you're overweight. If if there's time to kill, you, that's how you, you go it. eat. That was what happened before smartphones. Is you ate something. Yeah, I, I wonder if smartphones is a, a ploy on like. <laughs> You know, Mayo Clinic or something to you know get our obesity ranks down. Yeah, on behalf of I believe it. On behalf of big smallness, Mayo, big Mayo. What? Yeah, <laughs> big Mayo. They're actually gotta be something the opposite else. of big Mayo. Yeah, <laughs> big Mayo is opposed to this. <laughs> I guess the Mayo Clinic is a little Mayo. Clinic man with the sidekick, little Mayo. <laughs> the fight of the century. <laughs> um. Yeah, should we talk about the uh, the music? Sure. Uh, what do you have to say about it? I I don't have much. There's not a whole lot. Um, I like it's that. There's there's um, sometimes like a little light jazzy feeling in the background, like a steady bass groove, especially during the mm-hmm. scene transitions, which I like. Um, you know, you see, it's a similar kind of thing as in uh, Seinfeld. They did they did a similar thing, um, mm-hmm. and it works. It you know it it keeps the keeps it going when you're not watching it. When you're not right in that it, that is, yeah, I, I buy it. I, I didn't think anything particularly of the mu- music. You know, I always try to find something that's interesting, but this was just pretty standard cartoon music. Yeah, nothing much to I say. I like on the, it. I like the sort of, uh, I like the jazzy intro for the second and third season. Yeah, which yeah, we'll be at the top of the show, but uh, I don't know. There's, I, I can't characterize what it is, but I, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. I think it would been. To look it up later. I think it would have been funny if, um, you know, despite the whole sixty or early sixties aesthetic, if he had used music that had been developed in between then and now. Oh, I thought. Interesting. I think that would have so, been a neat touch. When was it made? Like the nineties. So, like, uh, you know, maybe like Cheyenne away. It's <laughs> not better to be something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Just put that on in the background. <laughs> have it on the radio. Just put aha in there. Yeah, they might be giants on it. I love any sort of anachronistic references in a show like this. <laughs> yeah, and there are a couple. They're not. They're not at the forefront, though. Um, my favorite part of the sound was the characters talking, mm-hmm. and specifically about the sound characters talking. Whenever Louis starts unintelligibly gibbering, <laughs> like, that's the favorite. That's my favorite part of any episode. Like he'll he'll take out the milk carton and try to pour a glass of milk, and it's like rotten. Mm. And instead of verbalizing, he'll just be like, which <laughs> is kind of whine without talking. It's a very artificial sound effect. That should be standard in any sound effect CD. I agree. <laughs> that should be on our turnstile. It's, it's much whinier than that. You gotta like put more non-words in there to really sell it. Yeah. Like as though he's trying to come up with a sentence but keeps on thinking of other whiny things to say in the meanwhiles. Um, what do you think about the decision to give Louis the lowest voice imaginable? Um, Is it just part of that whole uh, desensitizing us to the fact that he's a child thing? That's how I took it. I guess. Um, I, I didn't really, it, I didn't really take much uh, out of it. Um, you know, after listening to him doing stand-up and listening to him doing his child voice and then also listening to him doing his dad voice, like, they were all clearly voiced by the same person, but I thought they they were differentiated enough and the low voice didn't really bother me that much because, you know, when you're, when you're a heavy set child, your voice gets lower faster. 
That's true, but it's unrealistically low. I'm wondering what the uh, what the impetus for that decision was. Probably because his adult voice is uncharacteristically high. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess rever- the reverse <laughs> puberty angle. Just kind of has a meta, meta humor. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to think of that. Maybe he's just really, like, uh, stretching his vocal wings, so to speak. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Like, he doesn't want to get typecasted into one voice acting role, so he just, like, gives them the, the whole range. Like, <laughs> Louis and his dad. It's like eight octaves that I can that I can hit. So <laughs> put me on whatever. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I, I got nothing else, man. Yeah, I think it's good. We we probably have quite a lot in this episode that we can cut. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe so. Sorry about that. I, I definitely was doing some Louis unintelligible gibbering halfway through. So I'll I'm editing this. Yeah, one, if you so want to just if you want to just cut in, like I'm sure there's a master cut of all the. Um, online. So if you just want to cut that in for the second half of the episode, we can probably get this thing down to thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that a? Isn't it called a supercut? I thought it was a mastercut. I'm pretty sure it's a supercut. But now I like the organization. There's like this villainous organization, and like these two villains in it. One of them supercut, and one of them's mastercut, and they just constantly bicker about which one of them has the better name. Your brain's a weird place. And then Cutman comes in and just puts them all to shame because he got scissors on his head. Like, how do you commit to your craft more than that? By putting what you do on your head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't don't know how to feel about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Probably pretty bad. Um, If you continue feeling bad about it, you can put uh, a sign saying, I feel bad about ideas, about things on people's head, and just staple it to your head. And then it'll get the message across better than anything else. Huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm dying out here, man. Throw me a line. There's nothing to throw. <laughs> we're, we're just going to cut that part anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. Life, life with Louis. Um, su- surprisingly good. And uh, I, I didn't expect it to be this good. I remembered watching it, and I don't even remember watching it with mirth. Like, most of these shows that we go back to... Like, you thought Cheap in the Big City was going to be okay. Yeah. And I remembered this show without thinking anything in particular about mm-hmm. it. Like, I, I was very pleasantly surprised at how how funny it was, it was really. How funny and uh, fleshed funny out and the ideas were. And the characters. And the characters. The characters are so fleshed out. I, I, I really like it. Yep. I really like it. So, uh, Zane, what are we doing next time? So next time, we are going to uh, go a little bit further in a surreal direction with uh, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. (laughs) Birdman, correct. Is that not how it's pronounced? Birdman? uh, Yeah. (laughs) When he came over on the boat, he had to change his his name from Bird to Birdman. Birdmanowitz. (laughs) And uh, how about after that, Ben? Um, Yeah, uh, after that, uh, I've been thinking of a way to do a another anime cool and i have come up with one it's difficult to do the genre of anime because most of them generally are very plot and story driven and our general dynamic is to pick something that you can just watch a couple episodes in whatever order Mm -hmm. i haven't looked at any of these episodes so this might not be the case but i'm gonna take a chance that it is with big o big o we're gonna we're gonna be watching big o adapted from a japanese manga the big o and from what i looked at from the like the episode plot synopses it doesn't look like they have to be watched in any particular order but we'll we'll find that out is this one of those giant robot animes 
This is one of those giant robot animes. Okay. And let me tell you, the plot synopses do not look like giant robot anime until like maybe the last couple of sentences. <laughs> Good. Like, it's all I... about some organization, like some spy organization, and then you're just like, all right, time to call in the big robot. Interesting. It, I, really I, interesting. I remember seeing some advertisements for it, but um, that'll be interesting. I remember telling everybody how stupid they were for watching Big O instead of Hamtaro. <laughs> I just, um, I, it was one of those things I just couldn't get past the name, I think. It's pretty stupid. It's really it's like, bad name. Any mecha anime that has a name that is not in English, I'm kind of turned off from already. Yeah. Like, I, I need something more than just a name and the fact that it's a mecha anime to sell me. <laughs> um, and uh, the big O, I guess I've just seen it enough such that, like, it's, pe- people know what it is. I think this will be a good, a good look into mecha anime in general. Cool. Yeah. Which is certainly a big enough genre to tackle. <laughs> yeah, and the robots are not big; are too big to tackle. Um, so like, unless you're tackling it with another large robot. That's true. Or with Louis. <laughs> Although Anderson. at that point, you really might as well just like, you know, use rocket punch or getter beam. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, like us on Facebook if you happen to if you happen to be in the Carton Cast neighborhood. If you've ever like. if you've ever checked out Facebook, it's just a quick type away. <laughs> Yeah, it, the icon is an F and then a B. Um, yeah. It's not Flower Book. That is a different website. That's a great And it website. has nothing to do with cartoons. Um, but yeah, if you want to like us on Facebook, co- please comment on either our website, www.cartoncast.com. If you do that and leave us a comment, we will be happy to read it on air if it's for an episode that we have not yet uh, recorded, which to this point will be Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, or, uh, or uh, the other thing. Big O, Big O. Yeah. Big o. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, review us on iTunes and uh, tell your friends about the Carton Cast if you happen to like it, because we want to get audience participation up and uh, golf score numbers uh, down. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is it so hard to leave a comment? <laughs> Back when I was in the war, I was leaving comments left and right, and by comments I mean grenades. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, a- a- Andy Anderson. Until next time, what can we do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> get cracking. How many dads here tonight? A lot of dads. Applaud if you're a dad. Yeah. My dad was the kind of guy who didn't like people. We'd be in the family car driving down the street, and my dad would spot somebody walking down the street that was a little different. Oh, he'd slow that car down. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> We're crying out loud. Get my rifle. Or he'd say things that made no sense to us or your kids in the back seat. You know, if I was the last person on earth, some moron would turn left in front of me. <laughs> what? And whenever he'd say that to him, I was the last person on earth, you'd always turn to your brother and go, wish he was, don't you? <laughs> and my dad, I heard that. <laughs>